The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. In March, I got an email from a guy named Andrew Friedman. It said, Brad, I am desperately trying to get in touch with Jonathan Kaplan of the Melt and, more importantly, Flip Video fame. To make a long and bizarre story very short, I have a Flip Video cam that I believe has on it a video of my late father-in-law playing with my son. Without boring you with too much detail, the camera The Flip start- Video. It was a small, simple video recorder that was pretty popular in the mid-2000s. I had a few myself, and I remember using it to film my kids taking their very first steps. Go to Daddy is. The phone's for Daddy. Daddy needs to talk on the phone. Go, Izzy. Thank you, Izzy. Good walking, Thank you. I vaguely remember the flip video. Most people called it the flip cam. It was good for shooting home videos, but the company shut down a while ago. Right, and that's why Andrew was writing. His camera was broken and he was having trouble fixing it. Three data recovery companies told me today that they don't deal with flip video. I can't tell you how difficult it is to get reliable intel about a product that, by tech standards, is prehistoric. Andrew had a cherished video stuck on his device, and he didn't have a way to get it back. As a last resort, Andrew decided he needed to find the Flipcam founder, Jonathan Kaplan. And that's why he emailed me. I'm hoping you might be able to help me out, either give me a way to contact him, forward this email to him, anything if he's willing to contact me. Thanks, Andrew. I'd written an article on Jonathan Kaplan a few years ago. I still had some contacts I could try to call. So we decided to help. I'm Brad Stone. And I'm Christy Westgard. And this week on Decrypted, we're on a mission to get Andrew his video back. This season, we're exploring the unintended consequences of technology. Our story today takes a look at the tech industry's constant race for the next big thing, and how that sometimes comes at a hidden cost to you and me, the consumers of technology. Just as we get used to one set of apps and gadgets, we find out that the industry has moved on, leaving us stuck. Stay with us. Andrew lives in New Jersey with his wife, Ginger, and their two young children. One evening, Andrew and Ginger were watching a popular NBC family drama, This Is Us, like they do every week. It might have been the Super Bowl or the post-Super Bowl episode in which one of the characters was thinking about her dad's passing and on the anniversary of her dad's passing every year, watches a videotape that her dad made of her when she was a kid. Um, and in this particular episode, the, the VHS tape got destroyed in, a, in an old-fashioned VCR. Um, and her fiancé went to sort of great pains to try to get the tape restored and find somebody who could spool it back together like everybody used to have to do on VHS tapes. Ginger's father had passed away just about five years ago. 
And watching that episode gave Andrew an idea. He went upstairs to look in the corner of a closet for a flip cam he hadn't used for many years. He wanted to find a video of Ginger and her dad that they had filmed around the time when their first child was born. All these years later, Andrew was a little fuzzy on exactly what was in the video, but he said Ginger remembered. Her memory of this tape is that we made it, probably I shot it, um, in when we were in the hospital while she was in labor with my son, who is uh, now six years old. You know, it was exciting to be there while we were about to have our first son, but also there was certainly a, a ton of sadness in the room. That's because Ginger's father was battling cancer. The family knew he didn't have much time left. Um, would you mind telling me a little bit about your father-in-law? Sure. Um, sorry, that was the one question I wasn't quite ready for. Um, he died a few months, after, maybe even a month, after his 70th birthday. Um, he was a wonderful father, a wonderful uh, human, a wonderful man, a wonderful everything. It is impossible to overstate how important my wife's father was to my wife and what he meant to her. If this flip cam could bring a little bit of that man back to the family, Andrew would try to salvage it. Almost immediately, things got complicated. Andrew hadn't used his camera for years, and it wouldn't turn on. And flip cams hadn't been in production for over seven years. In 2009, Cisco, the giant technology company, bought Pure Digital Technologies, the company that made the flip cam. But two years later, and Cisco's broader consumer unit was having trouble. So Cisco killed the flip cam, and they laid off 550 people. That meant it stopped manufacturing the flip cam, and it also stopped all the customer service support, too. This kind of thing is more common than you might think. What happened to the GeoCities, the Friendsters, the MySpaces? All of those are um, where our digital library, our digital memories live. And we're a little stuck. That's Brewster Kale. He runs a nonprofit called the Internet Archive. They hope to catalog every web page, old computer game, piece of software, song, video, book, and more. You name it, and they're trying to get their hands on it. Brewster says this problem Andrew is facing happens to people all the time. And we're increasingly vulnerable to it as we keep more and more of our memories and our data online. And now we have even more of a problem because a lot of our memories are on Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube, uh, Flickr. And those are naming the ones that are still alive. Yet those companies go away or they just change direction. Apple Computer, um, they, they had Mobile Me. It was their web hosting platform. It was 200 terabytes of other people's stuff. But they just said, we're going to turn it off. And when they said they were going to turn it off, it just went away. Apple replaced Mobile Me with the now ubiquitous iCloud. The company did warn that it would be switching over to give users time to jump ship. But on June 31st, 2012, everything left was deleted. 
And if it could happen to Apple customers, it could happen to anyone. I mean, I personally like to use Google Photos to back up all of my images when I don't have enough space on my iPhone. And I can't really imagine what I'd do if that platform were to just go down. Yeah, and just think of what losing iCloud would mean. I mean, that service can store up to two terabytes of information for every single one of its hundreds of millions of active customers. So with no customer service number to call, Andrew tried online forums to revive his dead flip cam. Started Googling online um, things like flip video instructions, flip video manual, how to reset flip video, flip video camera won't power on, won't power on. Andrew tried a few of the tips, but none of them worked. Finally came across one that noted that there was a, a little pinprick reset button built into the camera. Looked and found that, but was afraid of, for sort of the obvious reason, to, to trigger it, not knowing if it would wipe out the memory of the camera. After a couple of days of trying to fix the flip cam on his own, Andrew started calling data recovery experts. I mean, I called three data recovery companies. One was, what are you talking about? Two were, sorry, we don't do that click, more or less. Uh, none of them were willing to go near this. All said that they dealt only with external storage devices. What I sort of expected to happen was someone would say to me, sure, bring in your camera for 200 bucks, 300 bucks, we can do it, and figured they would take the camera, they would do three minutes of work, they would get the video, they would charge me $300 for three minutes of work. And I was fine with that. Like, I was willing to be suckered on this one if I could get the video. I called two of the data recovery companies that Andrew remembered using. Right with you. Please hold. Both on-site and in lab. 24 hours a day, 7 days per week. So if you suffer data loss, don't panic. We can help. One said it would run me anywhere from $500 to $2,500. They warned that the video might be lost since their specialists were not experts in internal data recovery. Internal data is tricky because it requires the device itself to be functioning in order to get at the memory. So if the device is dead, you can't really get to the data. In other words, Andrew still wasn't any closer to getting his videos back. That's when I got Andrew's email. It was in March. Jonathan's an entrepreneur, and part of his work requires lots of travel. So it took some time to get in touch. But eventually, he did agree to help. And over three months or so of email ping-pong, we followed Jonathan through China and sailing across the Atlantic. All these off-the-grid places. Right. And finally in May, I got word that Andrew's camera was in the hands of someone named Taylor Libby. He'd been part of the original Flipcam engineering team, and Jonathan said he was doing a more serious intervention on the camera. Taylor is an old college friend of Jonathan's, and after the Flipcam unit folded, Taylor worked at Apple for six years. Now he's a full-time dad, two kids a little younger than Andrew's son. Jonathan and Taylor still casually stay in touch, so he agreed to help salvage Andrew's videos. So I, I got these two cameras um, from John, and they both appeared dead or, or bricked. Mm. Um, the same utility as a brick. They can prop open a door, but they don't really work. Taylor's first challenge was to charge up the battery. When batteries are too depleted, an interesting thing happens. They can kind of get into a, a catch-22 state mm -hmm. where they don't, they don't even have enough battery available to charge the battery. 
Taylor plugged the camera into a USB port that measures currents to see if the slightest tremor could be detected. The recipe there is you would have to charge it for a few minutes and then unplug it, reset it, and then, and then charge it again. Taylor did this several times over, charging and resetting, but no dice. It was behaving in a way that didn't look familiar to me, so I kind of was worried about that one. Didn't, didn't think that camera was going to be salvageable. So what did Taylor, the computer engineer who had helped build the flip cam, end up doing? Just like the rest of us, he Googled it. So I found a video where someone had opened up a, a camera, um, similar model, and that kind of gave me enough confidence that, okay, hey, I can probably open this up without breaking anything. Taylor dug up a flip cam of his own to practice on and then cracked into Andrew's device. After I removed a couple boards and got down into where the battery is, you could see that the battery was uh, swollen. This is the same thing that happened to those exploding Samsung batteries a few years back, which were banned from airplanes. A swollen battery can be pretty dangerous. I'm sure. So Taylor switched out that shot battery with a replacement from Amazon. After a few cycles of charges, the flip cam was back online. And the memory was intact. So six months later, and we could finally bring Andrew his videos. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. On a morning in June, I went up the elevator of a nondescript office in the financial district to meet Andrew for the first time in person. We walked across this open plan office floor to a comfortably furnished meeting room where I set up my computer. How's, how's everything going? Uh, good. Yeah. Curious to see how this goes. <laughs> Sorry this took so, so long. No, not at all. So it was a, an odd journey. Taylor sent us the videos via Dropbox. I opened the shared folder and let Andrew kind of click through. Immediately, he was looking for something specific. The video of his father-in-law and his newborn son. Okay, so these were the three, let's see here, three other files that they've got. That's Ginger. Yep. Home. That's my apartment on 96, my old apartment on 96th Street. That first video showed Ginger sitting in a chair, holding her swaddled baby boy. She's got a hospital bracelet on. Good morning, Simeon. Today is day of life three. We haven't done a ton of recording um, because we've just been so busy loving you up. Um, and you're very cute and you're doing very well. And Ginger is beaming into the camera. You have a visitor, though. Hi. So, How are you? Um, we're going to pause the video. Oops, sorry. Um, for your visitor. 
Andrew was on the edge of his seat. He was certain that the visitors they were about to receive were Ginger's parents. Maybe the next file would be the video he was after. Today your visitors were Ariel, who sometimes goes by Jessica. The next video of Ginger was a few hours later. And dad's best friend Adam and Nana and Papa. But it was filmed after the grandparents had finished their visit. Uh, so we had the videos from before and after, but nothing from the visit itself. So where the hell is between, it? So the before and then the after. That was and like the morning. In between I, is. <laughs> maybe it's somewhere. I don't know. Andrew spent the next moments clicking through the folder, making sure he hadn't missed a file. He scrutinized the time codes. The two videos had been filmed eight hours apart. It's so funny. My biggest Sorry. fear has been that, like, they got the video off the cameras yeah. and there was, like, nothing from the hospital or it was, like, video of watching paint dry or whatever. <laughs> the notion of actually finding the videos from the hospital but just that one not being there never crossed my mind. After that meeting with Andrew, I asked Taylor if it was possible that the file was lost during the extraction. It's not impossible that the file... Yeah, but it's, it's extremely unlikely though, Christine, because once I swapped out the battery, the camera behaves flawlessly and um, there's no indication of any type of file corruption or anything else. Taylor did offer one last idea, though. He said that now the camera was running again, we might be able to see whether the video had accidentally gotten deleted. So let's say you had five videos on there, right? And you deleted one of them. Mm -hmm. And now it looks like there's four on there. Well, you didn't actually change what's in the memory. All you did was change the table of contents. That fifth video is still there. We had our doubts about that. How could such an important video just be accidentally erased? What were the chances that of all the videos on the camera, that was the one to vanish? But we had to exhaust all of our options. So I called back that data company with, uh, let's call it, memorable hold music. So if you suffer data loss, don't panic. We can help. And I started a new case. The data recovery company is a short walk from the office. Um, it was nestled between the luxury boutiques of Fifth Avenue. I went into the glassed entryway of an unmarked skyscraper and up 20 or so floors. Hi. Um, I'm here to just drop off that camera. I have a case number now. So. I handed over the camera to this receptionist. He was a heavyset man and he was juggling several ringing phones all the while. So then, do I just wait for someone to kind of reach out? Oh, yeah, because it's going to go out to the lab. Okay. And then, uh, check it out and I'll get back to you. Okay, and how long does that normally take? Usually a day or two. A day or two. Okay, sounds good. Within a week, we got our answer. The technician had run multiple scans for residual data on the camera. He did find a fifth file, but it was badly corrupted and only appeared to be seven seconds long. This might have been seven seconds of Ginger's father, or just seven seconds of blank video. Christy, do you, do you think it's possible that Andrew made a mistake and there never was a video of his father-in-law? 
it's definitely a possibility. Andrew told me in our first conversations together that he and Ginger couldn't remember the exact details of the video, but they did distinctly recall making and watching the video all those years ago. Chrissy, this story is so familiar to me. I mean, I myself have so many challenges keeping track of all the photographs and videos of my family across services and technologies and devices and phones. It feels like in the ever-increasing advancement of technology, we've lost some stability. Like, it's hard to keep, uh, to perhaps coin a phrase, you know, good digital hygiene. Things end up getting spread everywhere. Yeah, and I mean, I was talking with friends and family about Andrew's situation, and it was amazing. They all had a similar story. It really is an unintended consequence of technology. I mean, we value the new thing, uh, but then it's really it's hard to go rescue and organize the old things. I, I was looking for my flip cam videos uh, as we were organizing this story. I couldn't find them. I mean, it was actually lucky that I had posted a few to YouTube. And it actually does sort of highlight a role that social media can play, right? When we publish uh, videos, they become easier to find. Yeah, but then on on the flip side of that, we are kind of desensitized to uh, ranking the importance of what we post online because we're so used to posting everything. Yeah, that's true. And and there's the same obsolescence uh, challenge uh, with with apps and online as there is with uh, devices like the Flipcam, right? Like Such a small percentage of apps actually go on to succeed and thrive. Uh, and those that do shut down, you know, we end up losing that content if we've been relying on it to catalog our memories. So now that Andrew has his videos, perhaps not the one that he was looking for, but some of the other ones uh, that uh, chronicled the birth of his first child, do you know, is he conducting his digital hygiene differently? Is he backing up and storing them differently? Well, I gave Andrew a call a few days ago. I wanted to ask him just that. How is everything we'll going it. on your end? Good. Yeah. Good winding down summer. I know. It's kind of. After some pleasantries, I cut to the chase. Do you back up your videos now? Have you put have you put the videos that we got for you on a another hard drive or whatnot? Yes. They're, you have. They're on, well, I mean, they're on a hard drive. They're on a cloud. They're. They're in two or three places, you know, a couple of different um, places, so that should one get lost again, we will have it somewhere else in theory and not need to um, implore you guys to help us go to the ends of the earth. Oh, that's good to hear. I'm glad that um, you've, you've taken the Lesson measures learned. to... Yeah. <laughs> Lessons learned. And that's it for this week's Decrypted. Thanks for listening. Do you have a story about digital memories lost and found? We want to hear from you. You can email us at decrypted at bloomberg.net or I'm on Twitter at Christy Westgard. And I'm at Bradstone. Please subscribe to Decrypted wherever you like to listen. And if you haven't already, leave us a rating and a review. It helps new listeners find the show. This episode was produced by Pia Godkari and Liz Smith and edited by Brad Stone. Thanks also to Aki Ito, Emily Buso, Anne Vandermeer, Magnus Henriksen, Topher Forges, and Austin Weinstein. Francesca Levy is head of Bloomberg Podcasts. We'll see you next week. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha 
for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.